0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Lord, Lord. Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs he was performing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish feast of Passover was near. When Jesus raised his eyes and saw that a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, Where can we buy enough food for them to eat? He said this to test him, because he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred days' wages worth of food would not be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good are these for so many? Jesus said, Have the people recline. Now, there was a great deal of grass in that place. So the men reclined, about 5,000 in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining, and also as much of the fish as they wanted. When they had their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the fragments left over, so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them, and filled twelve wicker baskets with fragments, from the five barley loaves that had been more than they could eat. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This is truly the prophet, the one who is to come into the world. Since Jesus knew that they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain alone. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: When I was about 16 years old, well over a half century ago, I was watching uh, a NBA basketball game. You know, the, 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 there was television back then as well, <laughs> and I was in Philadelphia watching this game, and the game was being played in California. And one of the players of the game was one of my favorite players of the time. His name was Willis Reed. Okay, Willis Reed, about six foot ten, six foot eleven, big. Big, very excellent basketball player. Turns out that during that game, um, another player was playing against him, defending him pretty dirty. He was playing; he was not playing really good basketball. It was really uh, cheating a lot on him. And at one point, Willis Reed goes up for a slam dunk. Now he's about six foot eleven. He's got these arms which are like tele, telescopic, right? He goes up for this slam dunk from way up over the basket. And the, the person who was defending him goes up, has his hand up over the basket as well to try to stop the shot. And Willis-Reed comes down and misses the shot on purpose. Even the, even the commentator was taken back by that because you know, it, this was a little bit before all this, you know, this style of play where you, had to, you, you tried to humiliate your, your opponent. Well, they, he, after the game, they interviewed Willis-Reed and they asked him, he said, hey, why did you miss that shot? Apparently on purpose. He said, yes. He says, what happened? Had I gone through that with that slam dunk, I would probably have broken that man's wrist or his his hand in some way and maybe even ruined his career. And so he said, in my family, I was always taught not to pay back evil with evil. And I was watching this game, a 16-year-old boy there in uh, Philadelphia, and it, it struck me. 17 years later I was a priest in Mexico rather a new priest actually and one of my jobs was to be a chaplain in a school for very poor children people who didn't have any resources so their school didn't have a chapel they always they would celebrate their masses like first Friday men on the basketball court so here I am they have the basket they have the, they have the, the, the altar set up right under the basket so I'm going out there with the, acoly- the acolytes and I'm thinking, I had, I had arrived, I had not had an opportunity to prepare the homily, thinking desperately, what can I talk to these kids about? And I remembered the story of Willis Reed. So I told him the story, I just told you. No, I wouldn't pay back evil with evil. All right. So the mass came and went. A month went by, and I was going to the school that day to hear confessions. And as I was walking towards the building where I was going to hear confessions, a young boy comes to me, about 14 years old. He says, Father, I just wanted to tell you something, share something with you. He says, my, this is a, a little town outside of Monterey, a little village, really. He says, my brother was recently murdered, and I know who murdered him. Another young man murdered him. I know who he was. And I vowed to take revenge. I vowed to kill that boy who murdered my brother. So one night, I, he, he set an ambush in an alleyway that he knew that the murderer always cut through on his way home in the evening. So he took, a, he took a kitchen knife, this boy, took a kitchen knife and hid in a dark, a dark corner of that alley waiting for the, the murderer to go by so that just as he would go by, he would just thrust the knife into him. And he was waiting, and he was tensed and ready to go, ready to thrust, when he said, And then I remembered that story you told in the homily, in that mass. And it did about that guy who did not pay back evil with evil. And he said, and I just thought for a second, well, I won't either. And so he just stayed put and let the boy go by. And I thought to myself, wow, that's the first time I've ever known of a, I was a young priest yeah, I know that a homily of mine would avoid a murder, another a homicide, and, but really it wasn't my merit. It were the words of that player. Can you imagine that player did not realize when he was being interviewed, That his words were being heard across the United States by a 16-year-old boy, who 17 years later as a priest in another country would tell that story, and a little boy who heard that story would not commit a murder and avoided a homicide. How far-reaching those words, I bet to this day Willis Reed, who's still alive, I think, didn't know how far-reaching his words were, didn't know what fruit they had had, all right? So, the, he, it's a bit like our, our our gospel today. God takes a little bit of you, what you can offer, could be your words, something you do, just like he did with the loaves and the fishes, and he does a miracle. He does, he, he does a tremendous good through that. He took those words of Willis Reed and reaped a tremendous good years later. How many times have we been in a situation like uh, like our Lord found himself there, no? The, uh, uh, it, it's one of those five loaves and two fishes day, you know? When, we, when we, seem, we feel kind of overwhelmed by the circumstances we have to face and don't know how, how we are possibly going to face those circumstances, no? I can imagine the, the, the apostle saying to him, but Lord, healing the sick is one thing, but feeding 5,000 people... Are several thousand women and children with just five loaves and two fishes? Because remember, back then when they counted, they only counted the men. Five thousand, those were men, but didn't count also the, the women and children. What is five loaves and two fishes among so many? So they were probably saying, Lord, but don't be don't be, don't be crazy. You, you, this, they were committing, you might say, the error of lowering God's way of thinking to man's way of thinking. To their own perspective. They were putting a limit on what God can do. They were putting a limit on Jesus and and Jesus has no limits. How many times in our lives do we suffer because we put expectations on God and God is far greater than that. God thinks outside of the box. And we we, we limit God. Allow God, you might say, to flex his muscles. Okay? Remember once I was I, I played basketball in high school and and we were in the lockers and uh, I was looking for a, a coach and, and the, the football team was just finishing their practice and, and this big muscular guy, he's, he's, he's walking towards his locker and all just, his muscles have muscles, you know. And I, I said to him, hey, have you seen Coach so-and-so? And he goes, I think he went that way. You know, flexing it up, he went that way. <laughs> <laughs> and so okay, God flex his muscles. Let God show you what he can do and that he can surprise you. Viewed many times, viewed through human eyes, nothing can be done. And somehow God pulls it out. I think each and every one of you, especially those who have more years, can look back in your life and see situations like that where God, he kind of, you know, met you. He, he kind of helped you in ways that you didn't even possibly expect. The, fam- the apostles were famously limited in their understanding of what Jesus wanted to do and how to do it. Even the fact that he chose them is kind of, kind of amazing. The, uh, they, they tried to keep barthimaeus the, the blind man from going to Jesus they tried to keep the children away from going to Jesus they're always thinking different than he and uh, uh, they're small minded that's our big sin I say in our relationship with God we're just too small minded we want God to act as we would expect the, uh, uh, but what does Jesus do here there's one thing that we forget Jesus remembers his father remembers his father he gives thanks to God who created the universe out of nothing, who brought life to this earth, who delivered the people out of Egypt, who fed them for 40 years with manna, you know, bread that would fall out of the sky, or with quails that would fall out of the sky every day, who fed, like we just read in that first reading, was 100 men with just those 20 loaves, the same God who had raised his son from the dead, And his son who would walk on water, change water into wine. Think of all the incredible miracles that that our Lord did. We amaze ourselves at the short-sightedness of the apostles because they saw all these miracles. They saw these, No, There was only one person who wasn't short-sighted, and that was the Blessed Virgin. Remember Cana of Galilee? You know, she saw they have no wine. They do not have sufficient wine to finish off the feast. And she goes and pushes Jesus into action. I mean, she was even, you might say, bigger minded than Jesus himself. You know, mama rules. Okay? So the, uh, uh, the, or Jesus with Lazarus. How the people, don't, 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 he's he's been dead for three days. He's probably, it probably smells pretty bad. God provides. God provides in amazing and unexpected ways. Think of the Blessed Virgin the Blessed Virgin in the Annunciation. The, God, the, the, the angel Gabriel comes to her and, and invites her to become the mother of God, something that all the women in Israel wanted to be, to be the mother of the Messiah. But Mary had already consecrated her virginity, her virginity to God. That question she asked the, 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 the angel, she says, how is this going to be? Because I do not know man. But if that were something temporal, it was just because you know she hadn't got married yet, or you know she she or didn't have a, a boyfriend yet, so to speak. Well, that was good. The angel could have said, "Well, don't worry, you know, you'll have one in the future. You'll, you'll get to know somebody in the future." No, I have no intention. That was the that was the that was the 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 the, the meaning of that question. I do not have an intention of of giving up my virginity. I've I've given that to God already, and God comes out. He, he, the, the, the angel didn't kind of you know, slink off okay well sorry about that no. and, then get, and take, take her answer back to God so to speak God, he showed her that God thinks outside of the box God says look don't worry about that I'm just paraphrasing He didn't say these words don't worry about that he says God is going to respect your virginity and he's going to make you a mother too both you're going to be a virgin and you're going to be a mother Because God can do that, God who created mankind, God who created nature, God is perfectly capable of reestablishing the rules. You know, so God can do that, and that's what we forget. God can do that, and in our gospel, the 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 Jesus was not the only one with that big vision. There was another person with a big vision in our gospel today. The little boy. The boy who brought up the five loaves and the two fishes, he didn't think to himself, well, why, why, even, why even bother? You know? I mean, Five loaves and two fishes, I, I, I'd eat them myself. Okay? But he brings them up, he, he offers them. This is a little boy who maybe he didn't think theologically, but he, he was open to the amazing. You know, what so happens with so, so many of the young people. We older people, we, we kind of close down as life goes by. But children are open to the amazing. To the, to the to the to the surprising, and Jesus took that little offering, and and uh, uh, and, and, the, the, and multiplied the bread. He who would, would eventually multiply himself sacramentally through all the centuries, till today, right? When I, once I the, if you the Blessed Virgin, she was a little village girl, fifteen years, fourteen or fifteen years old, when the Annunciation. A little village girl. Even the people later on, when Jesus when Jesus started to do his miracles, say, "Isn't this the son of Mary and, and Joseph?" You know, the, the most ordinary people you could possibly imagine. The Blessed Virgin lent herself, and she, who was just a little village girl, apparently totally anonymous to history, Jesus would bring her to be queen of the universe, queen of the universe, with a power. He gave her a a special power, which they call the, the omnipotence suplex, which means she's the omnipotent intercessor. What she asks from God, she gets. Because Mary is not just the queen, she's the queen mother. And the queen mother was always the most powerful person in the kingdom, because she ruled even over her son, the king. So that kind of lending yourself Think. I figure. How many times you might say a person says, "I'm going to become a priest." Oh, don't do something like that. Don't waste your life. I'm going to become a nun. No, you're pretty. You're beautiful. I, I don't don't waste your life like that. I don't want my, my child to become a priest. I want I want him to give me grandchildren. How many times do we do we apply something like that? When I, I I went to give some courses in Africa in different different years, and once I was in the in the country of Ghana. And we went to the we went to the uh, we were on the coast seeing these fortresses they have on the coast, and we were at the top of the fortress. Even the local archbishop was giving us the tour. And I look inland and I see this Christian. I see uh, a what do you call a cemetery with, with crosses, with you know Catholic Christian crosses. And I said to the bishop, I said, "What's that over there?" He says, "It's funny you ask. Look, back when they started to evangelize this country." there were still no medicines against uh, tropical diseases. So the young missionaries, young priests recently ordained would be, go out to, 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 to mission. They'd arrive here, and they would, pro- they would probably get sick with a tropical, tropical disease 10 or 11 months after arriving. So it would be like a wave of young priests that would get here, last 10, 11, maybe a year at best, before they succumbed to a tropical disease. And then another wave of priests would come in. And another wave, think of, it was a whole, it was a, a huge cemetery of young priests who had died going to Africa to, to, to evangelize, knowing that when they got off the boat, that in less than a year, they would probably be dead. And you say, well, why would they do something like that? Because they thought as God thought. They weren't short-minded. They weren't short-sighted. They knew that they gave their five loaves and two fishes and God would do marvels and spread the faith to those people. So many people who dedicated their lives to spread the faith. Spread the faith. So the, I remember, if you don't mind me telling another little story here, it's a true story. I mentioned last week I had have, I have been in Mexico and will return in three weeks' time. So I thank you all for your hospitality the time I've been here. Okay, Three weeks' time I head back to Mexico and I'll be reassigned there. Uh, in the north, northern part of Mexico, Saudi, so uh, up near the the, the border. And um, when I was there previously, I was there during the narco wars. And uh, uh, at one point, this, well, this didn't happen to me personally, but to one of my companions, we would have like Holy Week missions, all Holy Week. Yeah, the, the thousands of people in Mexico, part of their culture is to go on to be missionaries during Holy Week. And so a, a priest of my community, was going off to missions in a, in a, in a village a, you know, a few hours away. And it was going to be a family mission. So with him, there were seven other families. There were going to be more families than the, when they finally arrived. But with him, it was like a caravan, He and his car, and seven families with the kids and everything on their way to missions. But they come up to a checkpoint. The narcos many times would disguise themselves as police and set up an apparently police checkpoint, with the view towards seeing what they could rob from you, if they kidnap you, if they, if they you know, uh, somehow hurt you. Okay? To see what you had, and to, to appropriate that. So, the priest, he's the first car, he drives up, and he sees the checkpoint. And he's, he's got these families who are following him. And he goes, what do I do? No, He says, well, Lord, enlighten me. And so... He drives up to the he drives up to the checkpoint and he makes believe that he believes that they're police. He he recognized immediately they were not. They weren't properly dressed, etc. They were only, you know, disguised to an extent. But he, he makes believe that he believes that they're they're police. So he goes up and he rose and he says, Officer, you don't know how much we thank you for all you're doing to defend us from the bad guys. Okay, he's talking to the bad, guys, the bad guys. Because what happens is, I'm a priest, and behind me there are seven cars with missionaries on our way to missions. So what the bad guys don't know, that if you mess... If you, if you, that's my competition here. If you, what the bad guys don't know is that if you mess with a priest or with missionaries... God condemns you to seven years of bad luck with the worst possible sicknesses imaginable. And they let him through, and then all the... And they let all the family... He played on their superstition. Huh? And Kurt right? and okay, he, he put his mind to work, and God helped him, and he got those families through, and saved them from... God only knows what, what, what kind of fate would have awaited them, right? So, when you go to God, and you feel yourself a bit overwhelmed by your different difficulties. Commend yourself to him. Ask God to enlighten you. And God will give you something far greater than you possibly imagine. He might not resolve the situation as you expected, But he'll bless you in a special way. Just like when Peter, when he was already functioning as an apostle after the resurrection. And he goes to the temple and there's that beggar, that beggar who's asking him for some money. And he says, look at me. You know? And the beggar says, oh, what's he going to give me? You know? He says, I don't have uh, gold or silver to give you. But what I have, I will give you. And he gave him what? He cured him. He cured him. He went far beyond what that beggar expected. That beggar was asking, I need help for my plight. And Peter gave him an incredibly greater, a greater gift than what he would have expected. So open your minds. Think like God. Be open to God's way of thinking. Don't let despair or, or uh, uh, you might say, a type of blindness invade your soul. Trust that God is capable of doing wonderful things for the people he so much loves as yourself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Renewing our trust in the Father's love, we turn to him with our needs.
0: That the church may stand as a living witness to truth and freedom, to peace and justice for all. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the peace of Christ will banish violence from our midst and defend us against every evil. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That God may bless and strengthen all families in faith, hope, and love. We pray to the Lord.
1: Lord, hear our prayer.
0: For those facing difficult tensions or stressful problems, that God will give them help and serenity we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the grace of a deeper love and gratitude for the gift of the Holy Eucharist, the bread of life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. For all of your intentions, which are being offered at today's Mass, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who are sick or infirmed, and for their caregivers, that God in his mercy will draw close to them and raise them up we pray to the lord lord hear our prayer for the deceased members of our families friends and members of our parish eternal rest grant unto them o lord and
1: let perpetual light shine
0: upon them may, they, may their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed
1: God rest in peace
0: loving father when we
1: call you answer us you build up strength within us Help us now in our need, through Christ our Lord. Amen.